0: All right, so thank you everyone for tuning in tonight. Tonight I am live with Amy Davison. Amy is a Christian apologist. She works with the group Mama Bear Apologetics, and she's just a great apologist and a mom, and she brings a very great perspective and a brand-new perspective being a mom because there's not a lot of moms, yet alone women, in apologetics. So thank you for joining me tonight, Amy.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Nate.
0: Um, So... My first question for you, just to get started a little bit um, of an intro, I guess you could say, is how did you become a Christian? I mean, it could be a long story, but what led you to becoming a Christian?
1: You know, it is. It's one of those things to where God kind of worked on me throughout my life. As a kid, my grandmother, she taught Sunday school for years. I mean, she had kids from first grade who would come up and invite her to their high school graduations and so she always had these really cool little leaflets and things from her Sunday school class that she would hand out to us whenever we would come to visit and so I'd read through and it was just sort of the sowing of seeds and I always kind of I always kind of wondered you know if there was something else out there besides me and you know what sort of created the the world, the universe, everything, and I had these questions, and so I started reading the Bible as a kid, and we went to Sunday school a bit. It was more so in junior high that we went quite often, and I would hear these arguments, well, not really arguments, hear these sermons, and I'd go to Christian summer camp, which I think is you know one of those great ways of encountering God is here at summer camp. And I would just hear the gospel presented and it was just, God was always sort of sort of pecking on me. In high school, I started to drift away a bit. I had friends who would try and say, well, you know, there's scripture in the Bible that was just sort of placed in there to persecute other people. There didn't used to be passages about witchcraft. I had friends who were Wiccans and they said, those were added later just to come after us. And I hadn't really been given a lot of arguments from other adults as to you know how this could be uh, a misunderstanding or completely false altogether. And so what they said to me sounded reasonable. So there was a, a time in my life for about a year that I sort of wandered away from God. It was- And just didn't think that there was anything out there that it was all just sort of made up, but God was always just there picking at me. And it was the summer before I went to basic training. I went to summer camp one last time with my best friend and really just felt God working on me all through summer camp, just diving deep into scripture and just being in nature where it was in the mountains of Mount Rainier. So if anybody watching is familiar with Washington, it's absolutely beautiful. And just being struck by the beauty of creation and sort of that, that humility of realizing how small you are and it was just no I I can't deny this anymore God God exists and I just gave my heart to him I was baptized at camp in the lake it was it was great and then I went off to basic training so you know it's perfect timing to to really dive deep into God if you're going to go to basic you know it's great to have uh, all that extra help so
0: yeah definitely so I didn't know actually know you were in the armed forces what branch were you in?
1: I was Air Force. Yeah, that was something that I wasn't expecting to do either. I had had plans that I was going to be the storm chaser and I wasn't the greatest of students. And so I didn't really have much many prospects for scholarships that sort of thing. And so the military, my friend would not stop talking about her her signing up for the Air Force. And so finally after about 6 months of hearing her prattle on, I was like, "Okay, do they have a meteorological program?" She said, "Yes." I'm like, "Okay, cool, I'll join." And I mean, that was the thought process of, <laughs> the well, they'll pay for college and I can travel and they pay for it. So that's a great deal. So it freaked out my mom. She was, she was not on board. My dad, on the other hand, after he kind of thought about it for a minute, he's like, okay, yeah, you know, the air force, it's, that's like the safest branch. And then he was like, well, let me show you how to field strip a weapon. So we spent that whole Sunday learning how to field strip a weapon. So, uh, so that was, that was a good time.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So I just, thank you for your service, of course. So what Led you so you're in the so you gave your life to Christ and then you were in the armed forces. So, what was your faith experience like in the armed forces? Because I'm sure it's not, it's hard to me. I don't know if it's hard to find a routine or because it's definitely not the conventional life to be in the armed forces.
1: I mean it's a little it's a little disheveling at the very beginning because you know basic training it's all about sort of breaking everything down and building you up from the ground up. So I mean you're you're trying to learn how to march you're trying to learn how to you know even at meal times hork down your food as fast as possible just so you can get out <laughs> and get in formation before you get yelled at. And so it's a lot of just focus on these small little things, you know, you have to work on making your bed and that sort of, well, one of the things that you could count on was every Sunday you would have this reprieve to where you could go to church and then you could go to Sunday school after Uh, they would have, you know, I don't know that they necessarily called it Sunday school, but anyways, you could go after and it was just a a two hour break away from your ti. So, I mean, even people who didn't believe they would just go just for the, just for the break. So in that way, when you're taken out of just, your home and you're put in this completely alien environment where, you know, there's a, there's stress in there. You got, uh, your TIs telling you what to do and how to do it and how everything you do is wrong. You know, you, when you get these moments to where you could just reflect on the goodness of God, it was actually a, a great time of peace to where there were times where I could go into the day room or even just sit on my bunk and just read this tiny Bible that we were given one of those little orange ones like the Gideon Bibles and just Mm -hmm. really be solely dependent on God. Like I didn't have to think about food. I didn't have to think about clothes. I didn't even think about how I had to move. Someone decided that for me, but I could just sit and reflect upon God. So honestly, I think it was a great moment to, or a great time period. It was six weeks basic training was six weeks. It was just this awesome time where it was just, me and God. And I I really like that because I think it just helped fuel this time of study and even getting into my first duty station. Yeah, I was able just to implement these times of sitting and studying and reflecting on him and just being solely dependent on him. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So how did that, uh, what was like, I'm just curious, what was the religious culture around you like in the Air Force? Like I know that, I mean, I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. there's like, oh, there's a lot of swearing and people are off doing dumb things and things like that. I'm just curious what the culture was like in the Air Force?
1: You know, it kind of depends on what your career field is. Uh, some career fields are a little more tame and others are a little more mouthy. I worked on the flight line. I was logistics. So I worked in a warehouse uh, parts store. I supplied aircraft parts to AWACS as well as A-10s when I was overseas. And so you kind of, you're working around maintainers uh, who work on the aircraft and everything. And and those guys are some surly guys, you know, their their jokes are very crass. Uh, the obviously there's the mouthiness there, and you know there were even times to where, when I would be reading by myself, uh, occasionally I would have a coworker who, who, there was one in particular who was very aggressive at one point. He was just asking question after question. At first I thought it was you know, to actually understand what was happening and and different things that were going on in the Bible. And then it just turned into one of those, let me just sandbagger. You know, it was just question after question. I, my other, uh, my supervision was there and they just kind of started laughing. And it was kind of my first uh, experience of, I don't want to say necessarily being humiliated for Christ, but in a way, you know, they're, they're just, he was just doing it to kind of make you look silly. And mm-hmm. I was, it was kind of frustrating at first. Cause then you kind of feel like, Oh gosh, I, what do I, what do I even really know? And, but it, it turned into this great thing because even afterward he came back later and he goes, you know, I know I was asking all this stuff, but I, I kind of want to know, like, wh- what do you think? And it was great. My husband and I were actually able to go over to his house and they were, they were able to have really good one-on-one time, good fellowship while I watched the little one. And so it was really neat to where this moment to where he was just kind of trying to be a jerk actually proved into a moment of ministry. And so I don't know where he's at right now, but it was just awesome to have an, an opportunity to sort of plant those seeds.
0: Yeah, that's really an awesome story. So maybe talk a little bit now about how you've gotten to where you are now, kind of working with your apologetics group. How did you after you left the air force how did you transition towards maybe this field of apologetics
1: oh man that was so unexpected i i never <laughs> planned it, i never planned to be an apologetics i actually didn't even know what it was Up until a few years ago, I had, we'd been stationed overseas in Germany for so long and I'd gone to uh, Liberty University, which I, I hear you're going to as well. And I had gotten my, my bachelor's in religion and I really just sort of fell in love with theology and just study. I was like, man, this is great. Well, being prior service, you have GI bill, which covers your tuition costs. And since I had taken a bunch of classes while I served, I had a bunch of leftover money that could still go into further study. So I knew that there was something else that I needed to go into. But I didn't know what that was. We had gotten out or I had separated from the military when we found out we were expecting. I didn't want to have to send my child to the States while my husband and I juggled dual deployments. So I said, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to separate from the military and do the stay home mom thing and serve my family. And so we had ended up in Texas. There was a base list that come up and there was only one opening for Texas. And my husband was convinced. He was like, Amy, God's calling us to Fort Worth. And I was like, okay, where's Fort Worth? I had no idea even where Fort Worth was. (laughs) And he was like, it's Texas. We're, we're, you know, we're going to go to Texas. We're going to... We're going to pray to, to see what God has there. He's like, because I think there's there's something there for us. And so we arrived and I somehow ended up at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. They had their very first stand firm apologetics conference. And to this day, I, I don't know how I ended up there. I don't know if it was in a flyer or something, but all I know it was there. And I was blown away. It was an entire weekend of all these different sessions, answering these tough questions about Christianity. And I was shocked that there were answers. I'm growing up, you know, I had come to Christ primarily through just reading the Bible and the working of the Holy Spirit. And so, to you often talk with other folks at church, it's like, man, I'm really struggling with this here, and they're like, you know, me too. And then that's kind of like it, you know, it's like, well, soldier on, keep the faith. And to co- to go to these sessions and find out, wow, there's actually really good answers and really good responses. There's no just sort of hanging out and enduring through these moments of doubt. Like you can wrestle with doubt, you can grow from it. And I was just, I was floored. And so at the end of the, at the end of the session, a Dr. Travis Dickinson had gotten up and he said, "Well, at Southwestern, we are opening up this apologetics program for students to go in for a masters." And oh my gosh, I bounced in my seat. I was so excited. I was like looking around, people next to me, like, "Yeah, are you going to do it?" You know, I was so, uh, I was so on board, and I signed up as quickly as I could because I just, I wanted to know more. It's, you know, it's, it's almost like that, that glass of fresh water that you didn't know you were needing. And I just, it was just an insatiable thirst. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, that really is. It's a really cool story. I think a lot of times, you know, God works in those ways that you just, you're not expecting. And it's really cool to see. So you're part of a group called mama bear apologetics i believe is that correct
1: i am yeah i'm a a new addition to the to the mama bear crew i joined up in december
0: okay awesome so maybe you could talk a little bit about like uh why that group formed what the mission is things like that
1: oh yeah so hillary ferrer she started the group and it is just it's an awesome ministry it's a ministry by moms, for moms and not necessarily just moms specifically who have kids but people, you know, other moms who mom other people's kids, you know, there we all have folks in our lives that have been like a mom to us and this group is just fantastic because they are are reaching out to other women who they completely understand where they are in life, and they are saying, "Look, the these arguments are not only accessible, but they're exciting. They're totally relevant. They're incredibly practical, and they're engaging for for all women. I mean, you you want this in your life because it helps you raise up these kids. And you know, when you look at career fields, especially in the nurturing department, where it comes to teaching nursing." Uh, any sort of uh, children's ministry, that sort of thing is predominantly manned by women. And so most of us kids, we come to know Christ very first from our moms or from our grandmothers. And that's our I mean, gosh, just look at Timothy. And so to give these women answers and to show them, because I think there can be a lot of there can be a lot of pushback. I know other folks I've talked to, I'm like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to come and join our apologetics club or study? And they kind of, they kind of start backing up like, Ooh, apologetics. You know, that sound that's a bit too much. I had one gal say, well, you know, I tried that one time and it was just, it was just too much for me. I'm not smart enough for that. And then, you know, she hightailed it out of there. And I was like, no, it is, it's, it, it is accessible. And I think, uh, and I think it's really great to give women this view that, you know, you can go more into your faith and there's ways that you can pour into your kids too, that you can raise up strong, godly little people who are just ready to not only recognize the, the truths and falsehoods in the world, but who can stand firm in the faith and even minister to their other friends around them.
0: Yeah, that's really a great way. So when you're ministering to these moms in a way, what are the kind of the basic apologetic things you'll talk to them about? You know, like, like you're like when you're in one on one class, I guess you could say. Like, here's what, here's where, where do you start with?
1: Oh gosh, I always like starting with truth because I think if. If you don't start with whether or not objective truth exists, it's very difficult to hit on any other topics because then it's well, then it's just your opinion. So I think that's a great way to start. Mama Ver apologetics, though, they cover all sorts of things. Uh, Lindsay Medinwal does a fantastic job that she's been bringing in worldviews and all the different worldviews that maybe your kids have encountered, maybe you already know uh, friends of different faiths. So she's presented that aspect. I've been working on series on. Uh, the purity culture as of late, and sort of dealing with uh, sexual ethics because that's really a big part of our culture right now, and that sort. So that's sort of my sphere. Uh, the book, which I'm going to do a shameless plug, so we've got the book. It's gorgeous. Uh, the book here is absolutely fantastic. It's completely sold out. They're actually doing a second printing, which is very rare and very exciting because moms everywhere are are just reading this and saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, this is all the stuff I wanted to know, but." I just it wasn't being marketed it wasn't being made in a way that they found accessible and and this is I mean I'm looking here now we've got you know how do you, how to be more of a discerning mama bear we cover all different things from self-helpism naturalism uh, emotionalism I mean all the main philosophies that are behind a lot of these apologetic objections because there have been great ministries Natasha Crane is absolutely fantastic she's done a lot of great books handling Uh, the top 60, I believe, objections that not only you'll face, but your kids will face as well. And where Mama Bear Apologetics comes in, especially this book specifically, is it's dealing with the philosophies that sometimes fuel those, in fact, all the time, fuel those objections. And so it's it's a really great resource to have because not only are you handling the tough questions that kids can face, you're giving them the practical ability to be able to see where they're coming from, to recognize it. And to be able to they call it chew and spit, to be able to uh, figure out which is good, test the spirit, so to speak, and to toss out the bad. So it's a it's a really great resource.
0: Yeah, it would be. I actually have a link to that book in the description because I knew that you, your group wrote that book. I've been following a lot on social media. So did you write any of that book? I'm just kind of curious.
1: No, I did not actually write any of the, uh, any of the parts of these books. So this one was done a lot by, um, let's see, we've got Hillary Morgan Ferrer, who she took a good bunch of it. And then we have um, Rebecca valeries uh, Alyssa Childers was also in there. TZ, oh gosh, I'm so sorry if I mess up your name, ma'am. Uh, Cannon, she also wrote um, some emotionalism as well. You know, we've got self-helpism. So it's just, it's a great it's a great book from all from women with all walks of life. And what's fun about it is as you're reading this book, there's you know funny stories of how you know they're dealing with their kids and stuff that they've encountered. So instead of sort of talking to you or maybe preaching to you, this is more of access to a group of women who are journeying alongside you and helping you be like, hey, I've been where you're at. You know, here's some really great resources. It's that it's that girlfriend that you wish you had that you'd be like, hey, have you heard about this? That's what's that's what's all in this book.
0: Yeah, definitely. Sounds like a really good book. So, with Mama Bear Apologetics, what's your role within the group? Like, what are you kind of doing now within there?
1: Right now, I'm specifically functioning as more of the writing side. So, I've been working on the purity culture series, like I mentioned. So, I'm a writer, but and a lot of the gals within there are writing. But we've got a lot of great women who are also working on editing. They work. Uh, they do the graphic design. So we we do have some men that are involved too but it's a really fun ministry because it is just a lot of women who are gathering all their unique talents to come together and really help this ministry thrive and it's really been reaching a lot of a lot of not only women and moms but also dads and grandparents too and even it's fun because there've even been stories that have been coming up of teenagers getting a hold of this book and being you know just diving right in wanting to pass it on to their other teenage friends so it's it's great that it's written in a way that it's totally accessible to everyone to include Uh, include teens.
0: Yeah, definitely. So sorry, I just caught my... my No, you're good. So um, I want to transition a little bit more towards like more of some now apologetics questions. So my first question for you, I mean, it's a pretty broad one, but as an apologist, why do you believe that God exists?
1: This this question kind of has been one that's Sort of evolved, and I think it does that with a lot of folks. Is it started a bit when I was about in fourth grade? I remember our classroom on the wall. There had been this huge timeline chart. It was like along the the rim of the ceiling, and you know, it, it starts off with you know, modern man, and then you keep going back, and and you can see Civil War, and then you see pyramids, and then you know, it keeps going back all further, and it showed this galaxy, and it said Big Bang, and then and then the timeline stopped. And I remember as a kid staring at that timeline. Probably when I was supposed to be doing a spelling test or something, and just wondering like <laughs> why what happened before that? what What was before that? And so that sort of kind of always bugged me a bit as there hadn't been something before. But you know, I mean, just looking around you, you can see from, from puppies, kittens, you know, trees, they don't just spontaneously regenerate or spontaneously show up. Yeah, yeah. there had to have been something that caused it. And so it was just something that kind of, kind of bugged me. So I think the the main thing would be the, um, the argument for contingency is one that really fueled my study and just awareness that, you know, there had to be something out there, there had to be a God, because it had to be something to start all of this. And it was interesting, in one of my classes, we actually watched a video clip of different scientists coming together to try and discuss how the big bang came about. And they were, they were trying so very hard, not just to, to appeal to God. They were just saying, well, it w- it was something, it was something is what they kept saying that caused it. And it's like, well, what could be that something? And the only thing that that something could be is something that that's immaterial. It's all powerful. And it, it has, sh- just, it's so funny to think of that timeline, but yeah, that's the one thing that really got me wondering about God is, is seeing that same, you know, there had to be something out there. It had to be something bigger. It had to be something greater, all powerful, all knowing, and that can only be God.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree with you completely. So a question I for you, actually, I, before I get there, I want to ask you kind of another question right in that same area. So you're talking like, you can use these arguments to show that God exists, but then to say Christianity is true. That's a whole different ballpark. So, I mean, same, like a short summary of why you believe that Christianity is true.
1: Oh, so Christianity is true. That's a, I love that question. It's, it's a great one because it already has that implication that we can know truth from falsehood. There's, you know, this big push, you you look at bumper stickers. I think if you go to like world market or any of those Those stories, you'll always see it like a tolerance bumper sticker or coexist bumper sticker and that sort of thing. But when we think of Christianity being true, that means for something to be truthful, there has to be something something that's false. There has to be a way of detecting it. And then it comes down to which one, which of the belief systems offer the the best account of how we got here, the purpose of life, uh, origins of of morality, destiny, even, even consciousness you know, how, which one best explains it. And they all say something different. Uh, a lot of these, these coexists and tolerance bumper stickers, they they sort of imply that everybody's on the same playing field but that isn't the case all at all at all there's very there's very small there's small similarities but fundamentally the the differences are are quite vast and so it basically just comes down to looking at all of these and figuring out which one best corresponds to reality and for me growing up and evaluating these it was it was christianity all all the time it's the only one that comes back and that you can look and say for there to be objective moral values and even truth, it has to be grounded in something that is objectively good, that is just complete necessary being who is all good, all knowing, all wise. It can't be based on anything that's, that's perspective because then then nothing is true. And so, so for me, that's, that is how you know in talking to my kids and that's where we sort of discuss truth is it has to exist and it has to be grounded in something that is in and of itself truth.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way of explaining everything. So I now, uh, I think a lot of the times that as we grow up in Christian households, I mean, you did, I did. Um, a lot of people will say, especially from the skeptical side, that when we're looking at these arguments or evidence, we would say for Christianity that we have confirmation bias. You know, the idea that, you know, just it's just because you were raised Christian that you looked for the truth and believed in you believe these things because you were trying to find reasons that Christianity was true. So how would you respond if someone said that to you about your journey?
1: Mm, I would say that that's, that that isn't actually true because I wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like I always started from this Christian blue point. I I had or this this starting point. You know, I had experiences with the Bible. I had I read it and studied it and that sort of thing. But there were times where I completely fell away and wasn't affirming of the gospel. And I started to go back and look at the scriptures almost in the in a similar sense of in an investigator. I mean, you hear of J. Warner Wallace and Lee Strobel, who they have gone at it completely. Like they are not from ground zero, any sort of a Christian. They're just evaluating the evidence. And so I think when we sort of try and appeal to, to sociology and say, well, you just believe this because you grew up in this environment. It's no, that's not necessarily the case. That's I believe it because I've studied it because I know it's true because I see in reality. And I'm of the perspective, like I, I, I want to be correct. I don't want to look for this bias because then you can end up sort of convincing yourself of things and that could be complete falsehoods. And me personally, I I hate that. I want to be, I want to know what I know is right and I am willing to change if it is proven beyond a reasonable doubt that I am completely wrong. I would, I would rather be, uh, I would rather be wrong or I would rather, you know, be, be right jumbling up on what I'm saying, but, uh, but what, basically what I'm meaning is I, I want to make sure that what I know is true and I'm not going to do it just because, well, I want to make sure that I keep my Christian faith. So let me weed out everything that may be against it. And I would say that's not the case at all. I wanted to study and I wanted to know, and no other worldview off offered me the complete picture that Christianity did.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent there. So my next question for you is so obviously you're unique being a woman and an apologist, a lot of apologists are men. So why don't you think there aren't, aren't more women? I mean, I think there's a lot, been a lot more coming up now recently, but why do you oh, think yeah. apologetics has been dominated by men for in the past more?
1: Yeah. You know, gosh. So this is just purely going to be opinion here. I hope I, hope I don't get, I hope it don't get hate mail for this. Um, <laughs> I think some of it has to do a little bit with sort of a marketing issue. You know, a lot of women that I talk to they they don't know what it is. And so, you know, you kind of have this view of women's ministry and it's kind of okay, well we have these nice Bible studies, we have ladies teas, you know, there's there's kind of this box that women's ministries put into to where that uh, thinking critically about the faith, it's it's just not part of it. You know, it's I, and I think that's what's really neat is outreached women is they're seeing that, okay, this isn't just some sort of guy sphere. I mean, when you think of even philosophy, theology, you kind of imagine these, you know, oak shelves and and leather armchairs and, you know, guys in the sweater vests and things. It just kind of has this view of being a guy field. And when you get into the, when you start studying it, you realize, you know, women are, are great at critical thinking. And one thing that also makes women unique is we're also willing to and more willing I would say to sort of access the emotions empathy that sort of thing to where we're able to take these messages and really work with them convey them in a way that's sort of compassionate so I I think a lot of women they're they're still starting to get to know the field uh, I think they're very encouraged by a lot of women apologists who are coming out now they're saying oh you know this is kind of a this is a girl thing you know we can get in and study this sort and uh, and that's very encouraging to a lot of gals and I think Yeah, it's just the ones that I've encountered, a lot of them say the same thing is like, oh, it's just it's too too deep of thinking. And it's no, it's really not. And so I think there can be sort of an image issue there. Plus, you know, if they've encountered someone who is more of the hardcore aggressive, you know, they're coming at you and they're being very, you know, very aggressive and almost threatening that sort, you know, it can have that sort of look of, well, you know, it's it's not about arguing anyone into the kingdom. And It's like, no, you're you're misunderstanding what apologetics is. It is a ministry, it's answering questions, it's this pre-evangelism. And I know some evangelists aren't a big fan of that, but in a way it is. And so I think to sort of break those down and to show ladies that, you know, this isn't this isn't just something for the universities. It's totally practical. I love John Chrysostom. He says, you know, he wanted to take the teachings from the universities to the kitchens. And I think that's what, you know, as apologetics as women, you know, we're showing them that this isn't just something you study at the university. It's something that's totally accessible to you. That's practical in your daily life. And is something that can afford you a deeper relationship uh, with God, just diving in and, and being vulnerable and studying and seeing the amazing amount of evidence for Christ.
0: Yeah, I mean, That's a great explanation there. I mean, I agree with you 100%. It's good to have. And I think it's great because, like, people like you are bringing a new perspective in, which is really important to have. You know, like, we should have, as Christians, we should should be diverse, you know, and not just fit one mold. So, my, I guess you could say it's the final apologetics related question uh, is so, a lot of people will say that the Bible is anti women's rights. So, like, You'll have like, they'll say, hey, Paul says women can't, shouldn't speak in church. Or you'll say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, the Jews treated women like second class citizens, things like that. So how do you look, tackle that question?
1: Oh gosh, that one's that one's a tough one. and it's it's fueled a lot, especially by by the third wave feminist movement who's very much against anything patriarchal. I mean, if you if anything sort of s- smells just slightly of patriarchy, you know it's automatically sort of seen as misogynistic. And so it's that one also is, has suffered from a bit of an image issue. Dealing with that one specifically, that's one that even I have struggled with at times. Uh, understanding uh, first Timothy, like, okay, what, to what extent does, does Paul mean by this? And I've read other feminist arguments who say that, you know, Paul was, was just sort of, he, he didn't even actually hang out with Jesus. And so he was just putting some of his own misogynistic bias against, uh, against women of the time. I, I don't agree with that one at all. Um, I think that when we look at the old Testament, we have to keep in mind that there's a lot, especially, well, old Testament, new Testament, there's a lot within the Bible that, we have to take into context when i was uh, studying you know we we were always told context is king and a lot of times some of these stories are completely taken out of context they are they're looked at and tried to apply to our current cultural uh, not necessarily standards, but what we would like our culture to be. And they're saying, oh, well, they're so vastly different and apparently oppressive that obviously we have to do away with it. And so I think there's a problem there when we start taking things out of context. Uh, I think it's important to recognize too, that when you look at the old Testament, a lot of the, a lot of the laws and, and things in there were actually very beneficial to women. They made sure that women were taken care of, that they weren't abused. One of the things I think it was Nancy Piercey brought up that, was very interesting about Christianity is you knew when Christianity came into a culture and into a country when uh, the sex slavery and human trafficking actually started to go down. When it started going down, that's when you knew that Christianity, it was one of the signs that Christianity had taken over. So you actually see the benefits of Christianity of how they looked at women. Um, Just in, in I think it's Deuteronomy 20, where it talks about laws for female prisoners, whenever they would uh, overtake a city, if there were female prisoners of war, it wasn't just take whatever woman, however many women you want and do what you want with them. It was no, you have to wait a month. You have to allow them to mourn for their families. Uh, you And and then if you wanted to stay with them, you had to marry them. And if you decided after marrying them that hey, it wasn't going to work out, do you, they had to be let go free and clear. So there were actually a lot of Cult, again, these were cultural issues that uh, within the context that were actually very beneficial to women. And then when you even look at how many women were involved in the Bible or uh, in the scriptures? I got a whole list here and there aren't even all the, I mean, you've got Phoebe, Priscilla, Lydia. One of the things I love is in Proverbs, you actually see uh, talking about wisdom and what wisdom is, is called, or it says, you know, wisdom is calling out. It's referred to as a woman. And so if you think that the Bible is oppressive here, you have all these women, not to mention wisdom is being talked about as being feminine, this beautiful thing that you are to seek after. I mean, um, Joanna, Esther, Ruth, Abigail, I mean I've got this huge list, Rahab, Naomi, one of the ones especially being in the military, I love Deborah. I mean, here Deborah is, she's not only married, but she is a judge of Israel. She is in charge of not only the political, but also the religious. aspect. people would come to her, she would sit outside of, I love it, the tree of Deborah. You know, she had a whole tree named after. her, And she sat under there and, and ministered to people. Men and women would come up to her. Uh, she would settle disputes. And then she even accompanied Barak into battle. I mean, this gal was fierce and i think when we try and say that the bible is oppressive toward women we're not actually having a a complete view of it god from the very beginning when you look at creation in genesis you know I'm, I always jokingly say this to some of my teenage girls is like, he didn't say creation was very good until the lady was made until Eve was made. You know, it was that, it was that compliment. She was there to be his helpmate, not as, not as subservient. She was his equal. She was there to be with him and to, to serve alongside him. So now I don't think Bible or, or, or Christianity is oppressive to women at all. It was very liberating. I mean, think of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. I mean, that's one of the first I think that we have instances that we have of a woman just sitting and learning, sitting amongst men and learning. And even Jesus encouraged Martha to follow her example. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic how supportive uh, the Bible is. Now, when it comes to 1 Timothy and it talks about women preaching and teaching, me personally, I had a little bit of trouble with that because when I had first gotten into apologetics I was like, this is great. This is what I want to do. I want to teach. And I had someone respond to me and goes, Oh, well you can't do that. You're a woman. And I'm not a feminist in the least, or at least I wasn't, but, Oh man, I went from like zero to 60. I was like, I was so mad when I heard that. Um, but I think the, the bigger issue is, is okay. So Paul says that because Eve was deceived, you know, she is not to hold a, a spiritual place of authority above men within the church and that sort of thing. So I think the bigger issue that it comes down to is, okay, if this, if this actually is true and it is true that women are not supposed to serve as pastors, elders, that sort of thing, are we going to be okay with that as women? And if we're not, if that's the thing, if that's the deal breaker, then the issue is not with God. The issue with is with our own pride. So I think we have to be careful that we realize that just because um, God has maybe given specific jobs to women, specific jobs to men. That does not devalue us in any way, shape, or form. This, it's how he has designed it. And so we have to be okay with God's design. And, and, you know, you see that in culture nowadays to where a lot of these women's rights. It's not really about what is right. It's I want to be able to have complete authority over absolutely everything to do whatever I want. Not only to be able to do whatever I want, but to be approved of. In doing whatever i want and that's just that's just a false view that's out there and so it's it's understandable why they would they would think christianity is oppressive but it it certainly is not
0: yeah that's a great way of tackling all those questions so i mean that's all the questions i have for you so i just wanted to say thank you so much for doing this tonight and i learned a lot i'm sure everyone listening did so i really appreciate your time
1: oh well, thank you so much nate for having me on and you know, uh, folks, if you're watching, listening, definitely head over to Mama Bear. Pick up the book if you can. It's going to be a huge <laughs> blessing to your family.
0: Yeah, I agree. The link to the book is in our description as long as a- along with Amy's blog and Twitter. And if you want to follow our stuff, you can see all our links in the description. So I want to thank everyone for listening and have a great night.